In the New Testament, Paul the Apostle offers a unique image, perhaps drawn from his experience at the road to Damascus, where instead of speaking of Christians merely as followers of Jesus, he describes us as members of the one body of Christ. This deeply ties into an understanding of collegiality. In collegiality, we see that we are many members of the one body. Each member has a unique and powerful series of roles. And that far from being uh, a call to only focus on an eye or a hand or a foot, all are needed in this participatory union. So we all can exist in this harmonious balance. And in that sense... The idea of collegiality, while it is a word that sounds kind of distant and remote, has profound personal significance. Pastors need to listen to the advice of deacons, as we found in the Greenleaf episodes I have been reviewing. Members of the parish are also called to work in tandem together. Pastors among fellow pastors. There are unique skills which... I don't possess, which I will need the assistance of others to perform, and vice versa, right down the line. So any sense of uh, covetousness or possessiveness, um, or any sense of an ego driving those relational gaps can and often does lead to dysfunction. And that's why our focus this week on the concept of collegiality is something which is quite poignant. As I take this course for United Lutheran Seminary in pastoral praxis, one element that I have been called to reflect upon is what elements of my own journey have led to my own understanding of my collegiality. And I would point out that uh, my own childhood formation in a large Irish Catholic family comprised of many cousins Uh, echoing Culbertson, uh, a document I had to read, uh, reflecting a more tribal rather than a nuclear understanding of family, is something that was very helpful in helping me form an identity that was uh, within a participatory framework. I I grew up uh, sharing, and not only sharing, but learning in the process of where were my, my cousins or extended family going to engage in performing music together, uh, singing, uh, praying in group family prayer, uh, hearing through each other's struggles and hopes and dreams. Uh, To this day, all 14 of 15 members of that unit are essentially like extended siblings. And they were a massive role in helping me develop as a public speaker. I mean, we all love to, you know, get on a table even as a child and pretend like we were offering a war speech uh, and all of us participating in that kind of function, you know, reading Shakespeare together, things like that. We were all re- rather unusual children in, in some sense. And then, of course, you know, in terms of my later formation, I had a uh, folk rock band uh, for a little bit called Wrecked Haven. And uh, I, while the music probably available online is quite uh, dreadful, I will admit it was a lot of fun performing publicly, going from pub to pub. And uh, to have that sense of collaboration and practice and every member of that unit being invaluable and allowing others to, to take the front row when it came to singing. You know, I obviously being a very vocal person, being a 
firstborn child, as we read in our culprits and an understanding of family, that kind of formation does, you know, alter a kind of focus. But it certainly did engage my sense of cooperativeness and delegating, not from the top down necessarily, but through conversation, through dialogue, which is highly helpful. And of course, and my my spiritual formation, the fact that I grew up in a Catholic Franciscan parish uh, among uh, Franciscan brothers who work as a monastic mendicant order in community rather than a kind of top-down hierarchical structure. And that certainly, within the context of the ELCA, uh, is something which I find to be deeply compatible. And I found this when I was a secular Franciscan as well, a member of a, a lay third order, so we see all of these ideas in tandem. What about the class readings? I'm, I've been called to reflect on at least three ideas which have popped out at me. Well, the idea that was echoed in that chapter written by Culbertson was that idea that if we think of the family of the 1950s, husband, wife, children, in a nuclear context, that this doesn't really reflect either first century Palestinian norms uh, or even modern uh, norms of extended family, extended communities, and the kind of uh, geneogram scales that we all produce. And why is that important? Because at the end of the day, while I, I certainly would highly qualify the far too often quoted adage, well, it takes a village to raise a family. In reality, uh, in, in the whole parental-child relationship, there are other communities that play a significant role. Faith and church among them. We speak of a church family. It was another point of a class discussion. And just to go into the element of class discussion that I found interesting. Like I said, my experience, because there were other Johns in my ELCA parish, being called Brother John. Uh, what was that whole process like? It was a very helpful comment and a very helpful title. But you know, stepping into that new sort of uh, familial role was quite interesting. Or the concept in class, the role of the pastor or priest as midwife, uh, rather than uh, merely shepherd, in the sense that you are accompanying, radical accompanying, in the concept of presence in the life of one's flock, rather than a kind of top-down model where the sheep are utterly dependent on the shepherd. Very fascinating concept. As I said, I would highly qualify it in light of Scripture's own presentation of the idea of shepherding. And I'm excited to explore our own readings in that field. But these are concepts that are deeply emotive and impactful. But yes, the idea of tribal relationships that are extended are quite potent. Now, one pastoral qualification I'd also add there is, um, and this is in Culbertson, that qualification, is that some of those extended relations are not always positive. We've created new social, uh, political families of liberal and conservative particularly in uh, the West and the United States, where the, these identifications have almost trumped uh, relationships in and among families themselves, where uh, biological family members won't talk to other biological family members due to political experiences. Collegiality there is deeply needed, widely needed, and something which I believe the church could serve to act as a living bridge for, even as our Lord Jesus of Nazareth did with the Sadducees and Pharisees between Jew and Gentile, as we see in the ministry of Paul. So I believe that these all have deep imminence, profound imminence. 
uh, th these topics will always be with us one way or another, even if the uh, faces change, these ideas are in some sense perennial. Uh, the other concepts I found interesting was this claim that there is a psychoanalytic origin to our modern behavior and authority structures. Now, I will admit the psychoanalytic reading of someone's childhood experiencing experiences influencing one later, uh, I find to be somewhat Freudian, and I do generally uh, find need caveats if we were to apply them thoroughly. But it was a very interesting concept in the reading and something which I definitely are, am chewing on in the middle of this process. There is a reason why, for example, uh, the childhood of Moses in the court of Pharaoh uh, seems to have played a kind of uh, role in his role as record keeper and author of the Pentateuch, according to the text. Even if higher critical scholarship will deny that fact, there's this idea of him being learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So you see someone hungry for wisdom, hungry for knowledge. So childhood experiences do affect our, our maturation, and that's a very real and it's a very true thing. So I found that to be quite fascinating. Uh, the psychological concept of triangulation, where uh, two parties who are going through a kind of marriage counseling or whatever kind of woundedness uh, will be quick, perhaps, to scapegoat a third party or to put pride or hope in that third party, like a child, in order to escape their own uh, problems and difficulties. I was working with uh, many examples of this from uh, the, the textbook reading, but also too generally. One can see this happening all the time. And like I said, in the larger political uh, sphere, I don't need to name names, but this certainly does happen where if someone has uh, a challenge in their marriage, or someone has a challenge in their business or in their home or wherever, it's easy to become obsessed with this ideal realm out there. So that triangulation I find and I would add this to the reading, doesn't necessarily have to be directed at a person. It can be directed at an institution, a belief system. And that's why our Lord Jesus Christ, often in his earthly ministry, would dive deep into the concept of uh, the Pharisees engaging with their faith, dare I say, in a kind of form of dialectical idolatry, in a sense. So I found that to be very interesting, for sure, and something that we all need to keep in notice. An element from the class, uh, the whole, as I said, the whole midwife image and familial image I found to be uh, profoundly interesting. It's something I am certainly chewing on. It does appear in the upper room Johannine discourses where Jesus describes a woman giving birth and seems to be implying that this is all of creation. He refers to creation and birth pangs in Matthew 24. And he, the author, the bridegroom, being a kind of cosmic midwife. It's certainly worth further investigation. So I hope all these things have been helpful. And I look forward to catching up this upcoming course. And uh, for all listening to this, it is exciting.